in the stars in the stars in the stars welcome back everybody to another edition of golf dmv i'm claude there's no vernon there's no lawrence in this episode uh just me today oh no not just me by myself I've got the troublemaker with me, Lisa Cornwell, author of Troublemaker, a memoir of sexism, retaliation, and the fight they didn't see coming. When I say she goes in about what she experienced at the Golf Channel in this book, she goes in. She has names as the title of chapters. I'm talking about names you know. Brandel Shambly. I mean, she's talking about all kinds of things that happen um, at the Golf Channel. But it's not just about her stuff at Golf Channel. It's, it's, it's a memoir. It's about her life. And this interview, y'all know how we do at Golf DMV. We do different, you know, a different type of golf show uh, than most other golf shows. And so I didn't want to go encounter by encounter and experience by experience at the Golf Channel. You want to hear those details or read those details. Get the book. Get the book. Read it. And 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 she'll you know, she exposes that kind of stuff there. And by the way, you can go to any number of podcasts and radio shows, television shows, YouTube channels, and you can hear, you know, her account of different stories. But I read the book and I know what happened. And I wanted to get into the mind of Lisa, because, again, we aren't like other golf shows and golf DMV is not like other golf communities. You know, we're not going to sit there and break down the difference between the Pohanna grass and then the you know Kentucky bluegrass. We don't, we don't do that, you know. <laughs> but and so I, I wanted to keep true to who we were in this interview. And we had a lot of fun. Lisa said she had a lot of fun. It seemed like she did. And I did as well. And I think we, we covered this a little differently. I wanted to talk about her. I want to talk about her struggles, uh, what she faced growing up. You know, um, how, you know, being a troublemaker seemed to be in her blood, encounters in college of standing up for people. What is it in her that makes her want to stand up against racism, against sexism, against ageism, um, fight back against retaliation, to not quit, to keep to keep going forward? Um, And she and she does that in this book. And we talked about that in this interview. Um, all kinds of things. I mean, you know, from, uh, you know, her being one of the you know number one junior golfers in this country uh, to, um, you know, uh, having a special friendship with Tiger Woods growing up to a special lesson from Tiger Woods dad at the driving range, uh, you know, and a special, you know, political uh, 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 family member, a man named Bill Clinton. Heard of him? Yeah. So uh, we talked a little bit about uh, some of that stuff. And I really just want to get into um, you know, just what I would call the anatomy of a troublemaker, someone who stands up for other people, um, someone who stands up for themselves and, and don't back down. And um, I hope you enjoy the interview. Uh, again, get the book, Troublemaker, a memoir of sexism, retaliation, and the fight they didn't see coming. And I uh, hope you enjoyed this interview. It's Golf DMV. All right, Golf DMV. So we have who I would consider not just golf royalty, but journalistic royalty. <laughs> The troublemaker herself, Lisa Cornwell. Lisa, thank you so much for joining us on Golf DMV. You are too kind, Claude. Thanks for that introduction. I don't think people really call me that anymore. But yeah, it's nice well, to hear from you. Well, you know what? With 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 Golf DMV, you will always be royalty with uh, with that's oh. here, Lisa. Um, so uh, you know, we're, we're going to talk about the book. Obviously, you know, troublemaker, a memoir of sexism, retaliation, and the fight they didn't see coming. Um, but before we get to that, one of my favorite things to do or follow on social media is you, and you would always talk about what you're grilling and what you're pairing <laughs> with the meat that you're grilling, but you don't do that. And it's the only beef I have with you right now. You oh, don't no, do that okay. as much well, as you used to. When are we getting the video, the, the pictures of what you're grilling back up? 
motivating me. All right, it's back on. In fact, I did pull it out today. Um, I got the yoder. So I, I've, I've kind of gone through this, this switch on, on the grills. I went from the big green egg. My dad got me into that years ago. Then I went to the Traeger, but you know, I couldn't sear anything on the Traeger. So now I have the odor. So okay. I'm, I'm firing the odor up tonight. And um, like in honor of you, I have to take a photo now. That's it. That's it. I mean, I know this. It, look, it may seem like it's minuscule, but there are those of us who watch it and you make you make <laughs> our evenings. And we're like, you know, we're trying we're trying to ascend to the grilling professionalism of Lisa Cornwell, but we just can't well, do you, it. You haven't tried it yet. So, <laughs> you know, you can only say it if you've tried it. But um, I hope that it would live up to, to your expectations. All right. So so you're you're hosting you're hosting the next golf DMV summer get together and you've got to be on okay. the grill and you're pairing something with a drink. What are what are we eating and what do you what are you preparing on the grill and what are we what are we pairing it with? What are we drinking? I'm a New York strip girl. Uh, I, I usually don't venture unless they have a good porterhouse. Then I'll then I'll go that route. Um, I'm pretty simple when it comes to the steak because I want a big I want a big piece of meat. So everything else is just, you know, it, it's just noise. So I guess <laughs> we'd, ha- we'd have a little bit of salad and I'm a Johnny Walker black girl. So. There you we'll go. start. We'll start with that. Then, uh, you know, then we'll have a little glass of red wine. So, uh, you know, right. you got to mix in everything. I love but it. The, I the love Johnny it. Walker Black is very important. There you go. <laughs> it's <laughs> very important. Absolutely. It's very important. Absolutely. So let's talk about the book. Um, the the thing that I enjoyed most about it was the fact that I mean, if you're getting the book because you know, oh, let me just see what you know Lisa's talking about with Golf Channel. Like, I mean, you're going to get that, but you shared a lot about Lisa. Like, you opened yeah. up a lot about yourself. Not even that you necessarily even had to with this book, because again, a lot of people just want to hear you know uh, what you shared with your experience there. But what made you feel, unless you didn't feel like it was necessary, but what made you feel like? I'm going to talk about me here. Like we're going to, we're going to dive into, you know, myself and struggles and, and, and coming of, you know, identity, all kinds of things. Yeah. That's a great question. Um, I, I read a lot of memoirs and I think that one thing that always captivates me, whether I know the person well or not, first of all, I think everybody should write a book. They should, we all have stories to tell, you know, you don't have to be on TV or in politics to write a book. I mean, that's absolutely not true. I think that, you know, I would love to read your story. I, I would love to know more about you. And one thing that that always draws me into memoirs that I read is the backstory on the person. I want to know about the person before I get to the, you know, to the story that I'm reading. A good example, I, I recently read Jamel Hill's book. And, you know, yeah. Jamel, she's, yeah, up, uphill and she's very outspoken. And she's a lot like me with just a much larger following. And um, what I loved about the book before we got to sort of who she is and why she does what she does in terms of speaking out and and being an advocate, I got to know her. I got to know what made her her. And so that's a really good example. And I think that writers like that, when I read books like that, it sort of influenced me to to tell my story. It wasn't easy for me because Mm -hmm. I'm really private. You know, I, I don't I have a small circle of friends. I don't share a lot. So that was one of those um, that was one of those challenges, I think, with the book that that really sort of made me think a lot. And, you know, I had help writing the book, Tucker Booth. Uh, He's not a ghostwriter at all because his name's on the book. But we we worked together a lot with this book and he was the one challenging me to say more, you know, and especially with some of those issues and 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 topics that I've never spoken about publicly. He said, look, this is great. 
but you got to give us more. So that was really the only challenging part of the book was really sort of opening up and, and saying the things that I said in there. Wow. So, you know, speaking of uh, Tucker, when did you guys meet? Cause yeah, he was challenging to pull it out, but I mean, even following him on social media and some of the interviews, I mean, it's like, he's like, there's no bigger supporter of Lisa than, than Tucker. Like how'd you guys meet and what is it like, you know, working with him? He seems like, like, like a great person to have in your corner. Yeah, on social media, actually, um, he reached out to me soon after I went public with my story about Golf Channel. And he has a podcast and asked me if I would come on his podcast. So I said, sure. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really know Tucker. You know, we hadn't engaged much like you and I've engaged on Twitter. So I feel like I know you. Mm -hmm. But but that wasn't the case with Tucker. So I just started doing a little bit of research. And I came across um, this profile piece that he wrote on Michael Whalen about his bipolar disorder and challenges and and everything that he's been through the first executive producer at golf channel. And it was Tucker's writing style that really endeared me to him. You know, it wasn't just the storytelling aspect, but you could tell that he cared about the person he was writing about. Mm -hmm. And it really didn't take me long. Once I, once I realized that I wanted to write a book to say, Hey, you want to, would you be interested in doing this? He had never written a book. Well, he was actually in the process of writing his own book. I should say oh, he nice. never had a published book. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, from that point on, we just started talking and collaborating. And, you know, like you said, he's he's become like a, a brother to me now. Sure. So it, it really has forged this great bonded relationship that I'm very thankful to have. Nice. He sounds like an amazing person. Um, so again, we talked about, you know, you, you shared a lot about yourself and, 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 and all the, and all those things. And, um, it's interesting because when it came to some of the, um, uh, the, the, the binge eating and the, you know, and, and the disordered eating and things like that, a lot of people talk about, so there's an organization here in DC that I, that I do some media work for where that's what they do. They help people recover from, uh, from, from that. And, uh, they talk a lot about how no, like, it's hard to explain. Um, people don't talk about it. They kind of keep it silent. Was that, yeah. that the case for you as well as you were going through it? Like, was there a moment like I should share this with somebody, but I'm just not going to, or is it? Yeah. So I learned and I learned in therapy and like therapy changed my life in, mm-hmm. in so many good ways, but it also, it, it taught me how to put up boundaries. It taught me how to be more open and, and to not be ashamed or embarrassed of what I'm going through. And I think that that's why a lot of people don't, they don't talk about it. They don't seek help that there's this, there's this shame. And it, you know, I think in this society that we live in this day and age of social media, it's gotten even worse. Mm -hmm. You know, we had this, we had this whole notion of of being perfect, especially women, you know, we want to put Mm -hmm. on our makeup and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, wear the right, you know, you get on Instagram and people post these perfect posing photos of themselves and that's just not real life. So yeah. I say that to say that um, what I learned in therapy was with, with my eating disorder, which you mentioned, I was bulimic. It was the secrecy that, that really gave me, that gave me control over it. That's what that fueled the eating disorder because mm-hmm. it was the one thing in my life that I felt like that I could completely control. Yeah. I didn't have to tell anybody about it mm-hmm. and nobody had any say in it except for me. Sure. And so that sort of, that fueled it. And when I finally started talking about it in therapy and then eventually group therapy, it took away its power. Now it mm-hmm. took some time, but 
it's, it's really interesting how it works. You know, I mean, when you're talking about mental health and, and the way that the mind and, and body and soul operate together, it's, it's a complex issue, but yeah. um, yeah, you know, I wrote in the book that my therapist really saved my life. I mean, I wasn't suicidal, but who knows what would have happened if I would have gone down that path of continuing to binge and purge because I was miserable. Mm-hmm. You know, I can look at photos now and and I know what, what time frame. you know, if I was, mm-hmm. if I was in the midst of that eating disorder, I can tell by the photos, it just shows to me. So I wouldn't change it. I'm thankful that I went through it. I'm really thankful that I went through therapy and now I'm thankful that I'm able to talk about it because so Absolutely. many people deal with this stuff and it's not just eating disorders, but uh, you know, a lot of women, some men do. And, and I was, I guess, hoping by sharing the story that we can all relate and sort of open that conversation. If somebody's dealing with something and struggling that he or she hasn't talked about, maybe those words will encourage that person to do so. You never know. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, to to talk about it. And speaking of talking about it and standing up, you know, the stuff with um, you speaking up about the Golf Channel stuff and, and things happening there. This is not like an isolated incident or your first time, like speaking up and being a troublemaker. I'm, I'm thinking about the story <laughs> with the three iron, you know, back back, yeah. back home. Um, probably probably my favorite story of the, uh, 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 you know, in, in the book. But a few things about that incident that stands out to me was, number one, again, this man hitting this woman people being around and not doing anything, you come up and you have your own physical altercation with him, people still standing around. And then you having to go into action with this three iron. Number one, golf DMV, you see Lisa coming down the hallway with a three (laughs) iron. Be nice. Be nice. That's all I'm going to say. I'll just I'll just say today it would be a five iron because I don't carry a three iron anymore. <laughs> right. Those days those days are long gone. That's right. That's um, right. That's right. But it's right. true. I mean, but you're so right. It's, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. But how many times do you do you get on social media and somebody has posted a video somewhere and they're on the subway and they're watching a fight or they're watching a, mm-hmm. a, a, a you know either two men or a man hitting a woman or somebody hitting a child? They're not doing anything about it. Right. They're just they're just taking a video and posting it, mm-hmm. hoping to get, you know, hits on social media. It's right. crazy. Yeah. 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 And by the way, guys, get troublemaker, because I mean, if you want me to I'm not we're not I'm not going to talk to Lisa today on the show about what's in the book. Go get the book, read it, support, get the book and, and, and read it. But I think what's more important is how you speak out for people. And you do that on Twitter all the time. Like, it's not as if you left Golf Channel and then all of a sudden you're trying to speak out. You've always spoken out to support people who are marginalized or like, where did, where did that come from? Cause that's not something that's new to Lisa Cornwell. That's something that you've been, that you've been doing. Yeah. My, my mom would like to know the answer to that question too. <laughs> <laughs> so it must be from my dad. My, it's funny because my sister's just the same. Well, I mean, we are, we are two peas in a pod. So it has to be from, from our dad. Mm-hmm. Um, our mom is, she's pretty reserved. Now she doesn't put up with anything. But but she would not be as outspoken. In fact, she was a little bit nervous in the beginning about me writing this book. But once it came out, you know, obviously she's very proud of it. So I don't know. I mean, we just grew up with it. You know, we've always we've always defended each other. It's interesting in golf. You know, people people don't really speak out. And Tucker talks about this a lot. I think that that's why he wanted to reach out after I tweeted, because you don't hear people in golf really making noise about about things like this and you know I don't I don't really care what the environment is if if you're not treating people right you should you should be exposed about it I mean that's why chapter 13 
I was not afraid to title it Chambly because when you behave like that and you and you literally have a campaign to get somebody fired for no reason, just because you have a personality clash with them. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I, I say this a lot lately, you become a chapter in a book and that's what happens. So, you know, look, a lot of folks will speak about these things privately. They will say it off of a podcast or off air and they will, you know, they'll, they'll tell stories like mine or worse, mm-hmm. but they're afraid to get on camera and on yeah. the record and talk mm-hmm. about it. And mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm not afraid to, because look, if you, if you don't talk about it, these things, they don't stop. Yeah. So you have to speak about it. So I get the book. I'm excited. I'm in, I'm in the living room, got my feet kicked up. I open it up and I'm just kind of going through the first parts of the, you know, of, of the book. And my wife looks over and already I'm like, Ooh, and she's like, <laughs> already. I says, well, I'm not even, I haven't started yet, but I said, there are titles with names. And, and my wife's like, wait, she, she names names. I'm like, yes. And that is, that is so brave because so many times people don't want to speak up, but then if they do speak up, they kind of want to, you know, be anonymous or whatever. Why is it important to like, to, to put a name to the story, put a face to the story. Here's what this person, cause I mean, I'll be, I mean, it, it, it I'm not going to say, I'm, so I mean, even with, because a lot of us don't know some of these individuals, but you do, you've worked with them. And we look at someone, like I even think about someone, I mean, I would follow Matt Janella, And then I hear some of this stuff. I'm like, wait a minute, Matt, like, why was it, is it important to put like, no, no, this is my experience. And this is what this person is. And by the way, Tucker's work going back, like not just taking your word for it, going back and talking to several other people. And they're all yeah. like, no, no, no. Well, Lisa's saying it's legit. This is exactly the way these people are. Everyone corroborates your story. Everyone else is shaky on the, <laughs> with other things. Yeah. Tucker asked me from the beginning, he said, look, I, I'm going to have to vet you. He said, I don't, you know, once we agreed to do the book, he said, there's just this one hurdle that I have to get over. Um, I want to make sure that he goes, I believe you. And I believe what you're saying. I, I, you know, I think you're a good person. He said, but before I put my name and credibility on the line, I just want to talk to some folks before I commit. I was like, please do. You know, if, mm-hmm. if I have anything to hide, I shouldn't be writing a book. Right. And so that's why I think that that I did want to put their names on it. And I also wanted to make a statement to, to other folks who who may know that they behave this way, but mm-hmm. they haven't yet been exposed to sort of send that that warning message that, look, there are people like me out there who will tell this story. Mm-hmm. It may not be everyone, but you're running the risk of being exposed. And so, look, if, again, if you don't if you don't name names and, and you don't call it out and you just kind of skirt around the issue, you're not doing you're not doing any good. Yeah. You're not you're not eliminating the problem. So um, not only is it for, you know, the people who, who did these things, but also sort of as a warning signal to folks who may be behaving this way and let it be a wake up call that, you know, hold on. Yeah. Maybe I should, yeah. maybe I should stop this because I don't want to be exposed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know what? And, 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 and maybe it's an internal look, uh, you know, in perspective says, you know what? I need to get my, I need to get myself together. I'm not, I'm not a good person. I need to be better to people. And, and so, yeah, maybe it helps people speak out and maybe it helps people who need to, you know, turn some things around to turn some things around. One other thing that I thought is, was amazing. Um, and I don't know if, I don't, I don't think this was mentioned in the book, but I think it was on no laying up that you are extremely gracious to people who have reached out to you privately, but won't speak up publicly. Um, like it's because, you know, it's one, it, it's really easy to say, okay, I'm out here and I feel like you're leaving me out on the ledge. Like you won't even, you won't co-sign on the stories, but you're texting yeah. me and saying it's great. 
Cause see, the way that my pettiness works is that I would start calling out the people who are also tech, <laughs> but you don't do because you're more, much more gracious than I am. <laughs> you, you, because you, um, you said you know some people, some people, some people's livelihoods, they got families to support, or yeah. it's not, it's not their thing. Talk a little bit about just being gracious in in in, in that in that area as well. well it's interesting because I think that when you speak out, people immediately just think that you're a horrible person. You mm-hmm. know, you have an axe to grind. These are the words that that I hear. She has an axe to grind. She's a bitter employee. employee. Yeah, yeah. Bitter. Mm-hmm. disgruntled, disgruntled. Uh, you you hate the word disgruntled. You hate disgruntled yeah, employee. I know, <laughs> but it's so silly. I mean, yeah. first of all, that it's misused. That mm-hmm. whole term is misused, but um, they've recreated the definition of it. Um, I I think that I respect the fact that not everybody's like me. There is real fear in people uh, about speaking out because retaliation is real. Um, backlash is real. Being blackballed in an industry is absolutely real. Like, I don't hate Golf Channel. I, you know, I still watch Golf Channel. And uh, I have a lot of friends who still work for Golf Channel. In fact, it's it's funny. You know, I've had some people who have actually commented or, or posted about the book on social media and I'll text them. I'm like, look, you, you need to be careful. I just don't want oh, you to wow. get in trouble. So I want to I also want to protect those folks because, sure. you know, it's their livelihoods. I don't want them to even though, you know, they they understand what the culture has been like and they they know the problems that exist. I think that they're still hopeful that things will eventually get better. Right. And and also that's their source of income. So I don't want to disrupt that at all. But no, it's look, these people are great um, for the most part. There have been a couple who have who have been challenging. And, you know, unfortunately, we don't really speak anymore. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, folks who reach out with their own issues and, and concerns and things that have happened, uh, I'm very respectful of where they are and mm-hmm. and why they're afraid to speak out, even those who no longer work for Golf Channel or mm-hmm. NBC. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's just it's nice to have people to to sort of talk about different different things with and our experiences. And, you know, many of them I consider friends now. Yeah. You know, well, and one of the things that I um, love about, you know, the book is that, I mean, you're clear that this isn't like one thing happened and all of a sudden I'm on social media blasting the golf channel. Like, I mean, you went through proper channels, proper for several different things. I mean, you know, you talk about the, 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 the thing with Brandon on television where he's acting ridiculous over, you know, a graphic and fumbling over whatever, you know, and that, and like you said, that happens you know, in media, whether it's live television, right now, whatever that happens, that's, you know, so, so to respond that way is ridiculous. And there was the whole Mizuno situation with uh, Janet. And then there's um, another um, anchor who gets anxiety at times on air and then making fun of them. You know, it's like, yeah. like, what was the breaking point? That's like, you know what? Okay. I've done, I've, I've done the, the proper channels. I've done all this stuff, but yeah. now I've got to go next level with this. Well, I got to start I making that- some trouble here. Yeah, it, look, I knew, and and we dive into the whole nepotism issue. Mm-hmm. I think that I will forever say this: if Molly Solomon, the executive producer and Golf Channel, had not put her husband Jeff Russell, who doesn't even have a production background, mm-hmm. he was the executive editor at the network, which was kind of shocking that they brought them both in to work together anyway, even though they were in separate departments right, but when right. but when she put him in charge of on-air talent and in charge of the newsroom everything changed um i don't know if there was something about me that jeff didn't like um i've talked to several other women who worked with him and it 
there seems to be a pattern of him having an issue with strong, strong women. So um, that I guess would be my perspective considering what happened with me and, and a couple other women at the network. Mm-hmm. But I knew that my job was in trouble. And you mentioned that Brandel incident and there were a few other things that he was involved in and a few other things that Jeff Russell, Molly's husband was involved in mm-hmm. that on the tail of that, when they took me off of hosting NCAAs mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. university of Arkansas, where I was the first scholarship player post title nine for the women's program. Well, you were inducted, in the, you were inducted yeah. in the Arkansas sports hall of fame. Like what are we yeah. talking about here? Yeah. It just <laughs> happened two months prior. And mm-hmm. yeah. And then they tell me that, that I'm no longer going to be the host that I'll be reporting. I mean, that was a gotcha moment. I knew mm-hmm. what they were doing. And that was the point where my dad said, Lisa, you got to start looking for another job. They're pushing you out. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time that I ever reached out to, um, I didn't go to Golf Channel HR, as you know. Mm-hmm. I went to NBC Sports Compliance or NBC Compliance because so many bad things had happened at Golf Channel HR and they had mm-hmm. mismanaged so many different issues like this with people I knew. Right. Uh, I was trying to avoid that. And it, from there, it was just downhill all the way. But mm. look, I had to write this book if I wanted to get yep. this story out because there were there were so many different things that happened that led to this breaking point. And you can't tell that on social media. Mm-hmm. You can't tell that in a podcast. The only way that you can do it is either in a long form documentary or a long form memoir type book. So mm-hmm. obviously the book was the easiest and least expensive route to go. <laughs> well, listen, again, Y'all need to get this book, okay? We're not going to go detail by detail, event, event, because you got to get it. You got to sit down with it. You got to read it. You got to engage with it. You got to see what you're doing in your workplace. What are you doing in your home? Are you real about yourself? Like all those things. You, you got And one thing that, that struck a chord with me, it wasn't in the book, I think. I think it might have been on the No Lang Up podcast or one of the other shows you did where you said, listen, I'm going to speak up. And if I got to flip burgers, I'm good with that. Like not everybody is. Because that connected with me, where it's like, I'm not going to be railroaded. You're not going to treat me or someone else bad. I'm going to speak up and say what I got to say. And if I got to drive for Uber or Uber Eats, I'm going I'm to make sure my family supported and that I can live. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. But I'm not going to lay down because, you know, you have a position or something. You think you can, you may control the job, but you don't control me as a person. Yeah. And look, I'll be the first one to admit I missed the paycheck. You know, sure, I was making, sure. I was making good money. I probably make one, one fifth of what I made, you know, when you factor in benefits and, mm-hmm. and all of those other things, but I can promise you I'm a heck of a lot happier. I, know I mean, true. every single day going to work was a challenge. I, I remember thinking, what is today going to bring? What is today's challenge going to bring? And it just, it became like that so often. And look, the battle is not worth it. Life is too short. That's right. And look, I mean, I am I'm free to talk about whatever I want to now. I don't have to play these these games. Mm-hmm. And look, nothing frustrates me more. And I watch it now. And it happens so often in sports television. You know, the the biggest feedback that I ever got was, oh, Lisa, you need to smile more. You need to, you know, you know, and it happens all the time with women. They just want you to be smiley cheerleaders. And that's yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I always consider myself a serious journalist, especially mm-hmm. as it pertains to golf. You know, I, if you're talking about negative stroke stained approach with, with, you know, a certain player, what's there to smile about? Right, you know, right. you gotta, <laughs> and so I don't know. I mean, I think of the most credible reporters and they're not out there smiling. I mean, yeah. you know, the network isn't telling 
Richard Brandle to smile more. That's neither right. of those guys, right. neither of those guys smile much. But mm-hmm. I mean, you look at the women on there and it's smiley, laughing. Yeah. And, oh, you got to be light and da 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 and flip your yeah. hair, da da da. Like, why? Yeah. No, you're, you're, you're 100%. So I, don't, right. I don't have anybody around me telling me, look, I smile enough. That's what I was going to tell you. What are you, what are you talking but about? Just at, just at the appropriate time. So, like, there's a lot. There's so much. I, I'm, I'm definitely happier. Um, so we'll see what's next. I'm just, I'm still trying to feel my way out. It hasn't, I haven't gotten to flipping burgers yet. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. you never know. Well, that's all right. Listen, if if you need a, if you need a partner, always call Claude from Golf DMV. <laughs> I will help you. Because my first job out of high school was McDonald's. I'm And I'm, I, I learned everything about work ethic at McDonald's. Like, you know, you got, nothing's going to get done unless you do it. You know what I mean? And, 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 and time. We could have the, we could have the, the Golf DMV burger truck. That's right. I mean, and you're the grill master. And so it all, it all works out. Now I can do both. I'm good on cleanup too. So we're, you know, I'm I'm a clean freak. So let's go. (laughs) There you go. So I'm not going to hold you too much longer, but two other um, uh, questions. Um, It's interesting because as I mentioned the 2021 Arkansas sports hall of fame, um, many may think it's from golf and your junior, but you also were an all state basketball player. And so today, if you had to pull up to any random court, out of the car, no warm ups or anything. Could oh. you make one free throw? Just drive up to the court, step out, ball in hand. Can you make yeah. a free throw? Oh yeah, I can make a free throw, no oh, doubt. Yeah. Now, don't ask me about a three pointer. And I was a good <laughs> three point shooter, and that was my that was kind of my specialty. Yeah. I don't know if I can get the ball to the rim now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would take that would take some work. But um, yeah, thanks for bringing that up. But that yeah, yeah. was a long, long time ago. But yeah, I can make a free throw. Okay. Okay. You want to play? You want to play? You want to play a game of horse? No, no, I don't want that embarrassment. I was not an all-state basketball player. <laughs> I was. I am not in anyone's Hall of Fame for anything. And the other thing is, I like even before knowing your golf career, because a few years, it's like you know, I'm just looking stuff up. And then, um, I was introduced to you through media. I always thought you were just a straight-up media professional. Talk about that transition to media. And like you said, you're a serious journalist. I mean, you get in, you get the story. Like, was that kind of always, were you always bent that kind of way? Or, or you know, when you jumped in, this is what I've got to do now? Because you're a serious well, professional. I'm nervous to even do this interview. Like, whatever. No, I got right. notes. Is, I got, I had is... to do notes. I mean, I was like, I can't come here faking with Lisa because she's, She's serious with this. Well, first of all, I have to brag on you because you're very well prepared. I love the fact that you've read the book, you've listened to the podcast. And so I can't tell you how many, how many of these interviews I've done where they, they haven't. <laughs> and so this is, this has been one of my favorites. So I'll come Please. on with you anytime, Claude. This is awesome. You do a great job. All right, and, well, you have, well, and you're a really good energy. Nobody's going to tell you to smile more because you smile so, a lot. Well, well, let me just tell you this. So, bef- so you said that now before you answer that question. So don't get mad when I bug you like, Hey, so, uh, what's going on uh, in two weeks? Can you, yeah. So yeah. just saying, just saying, all right, go ahead. Go right I'll, ahead. I'll, sh- I'll shoot you my number so you can, we can stay in touch at any time you need me. I'm there here. Um, uh, no, I did not know that I wanted to get into sports journalism. But, you know, like I talk about in the book, when I had some friends who worked in in local TV in Little Rock, and this was post-golf for me. You know, I grew up wanting to be a professional golfer. That's all that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And after I went through this severe burnout and just didn't play the game anymore and, and separated myself from it, I was really lost. I mean, I was mm-hmm. I was bouncing around. I was working in a restaurant. I got into sales. But I really found you know, sort of, I think my life's work, um, in a sense, when I got into, into sports broadcasting. And I say that because look, I, 
being on TV was the the least favorite part of my job. Mm. The best part of my job was talking to coaches and talking to players and um, folks like that who I think understood that I had a, a real knowledge of whatever sport I was talking about and to be able to establish that relationship and the respect from them. So I think that that's what I miss the most about being in, I guess, the traditional broadcast landscape. Mm-hmm. It's just getting out there and forging those relationships. And, you know, I would always say to people, there were different parts of my job that I loved the most, but, but I really loved the aspect of interviewing players after, after their, their performance. And that could have been football, basketball, golf. Obviously, golf, it was a little bit easier for me because I know the sport so well. Mm-hmm. But I think that I went about it differently. What would drive me crazy is, you know, everybody, I think, kind of expecting you to be in the media center and there's this camaraderie. Or if you go out and watch one player, you can't really see the whole picture. So I would try to really get to where I could I could watch the broadcast and I could listen. Because if like if if you're out playing and you come off of a round and you've just shot a 68, Jordan Spieth's a perfect example. You can't just say, how do you assess your round? Mm-hmm. You know, to me, mm-hmm. it's just such a, it's such a, a softball question if, if you're able to watch. Right. So I really liked watching and, and, and trying to pick points that I could talk to players about that, that showed them that I paid attention to the round. And that was one way that you really built this rapport and this respect with these athletes was when you asked them specifics about, about what happened out on the golf course. And it wasn't always the good stuff. Sometimes mm-hmm. it was, you know, a mistake that happened and, a, a par saving putt that really turned the round around a lot because yeah. that happens so much in this game. And so I miss that. I miss, I miss hunting for sort of those great questions to ask and uncovering what the real part of the story is. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. was a wow. really long winded answer. No, 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 that was great. That was great. I don't even think I answered your question. No. Yeah. No, I think you did. I think you did. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was about the journalism. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, you definitely did. Okay. So because you're so great, every, every time you say something, you give me one more thing. I promise I'm going to let fine. you go. I'm not. I, no, I'm not in a hurry. You're good. Okay. Don't rush. So, so you talked about in the book, like the, the, the divorce from golf. But you but now, I mean, you know, working in it and, 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 and playing and, and uh, you know, playing obviously recreational and stuff like that. Like, what do you love about the game now? Like, okay, we, we, we had the infatuation. You were great at it. Divorce from the game, burnout, but I'm back here. It's a little different because I'm not playing professionally, but what, what is it about the game now that you love the most? I think for me, it's, it's not actually the game itself. Although it's funny, I went out the other day and played nine holes and I played the best nine holes that I've played in years. Mm-hmm. Um, now, wait, well, now, were you tempted to try to run another nine and go 18 and see if you can get your best round and say, nope, no, that's it? I had- no, because I had something else to do, but I did want to play the next day because I got this new putter and I mean, I putted lights out and I thought, I mean, I haven't been under par in years. <laughs> and so when I played this nine holes and I'm one under, I'm like, I got to keep this going. Yep, yep, and it was yep. on a tough day. I mean, the wind was blowing 15 to 20 miles an hour and I don't know what happened. Mm-hmm. And um, so I no, but I was really careful not to get technical because the old Lisa would have said, okay. What's going right? Let's go hit balls. Let's make mm-hmm. it even better. Mm-hmm. So I say that to tell you the best part of the game for me now isn't isn't the ball striking or the performance. I think that it's just the appreciation of what the sport has given me in my life. I mean, I wouldn't be talking to you. I, I wouldn't have, have met all these great people that I have 
over the course of my career. Um, you know, I owe everything to the game, even though the game still frustrates me in terms of where it is and, you know, the, the lack of the, the lack of growth in, in inner cities and, and for mm-hmm. kids who don't have as much, I mean, the game is too stuffy. It's too expensive. Sure. Yep. It takes too long. We have to do something about it because it's such a beautiful game that, you know, so much of the population isn't able to play. I mean, you know so something's wrong when if you out. just even come up to a clubhouse, you already automatically feel intimidated because you don't know what to do or where to go. But then yeah. there's n- like the people there may not be the most welcoming to say, oh, well, just oh, here's how you get the range balls out the machine. Oh, here's the code right. that you use. Yeah, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So so the game still has to overcome that. But I, I, I do. And I always will have a great appreciation for what the sport has given me. All right. So the name of the book, again, Troublemaker, a memoir of sexism, retaliation and the fight they didn't see coming. Uh, Lisa, you talked about uh, at one point doing being, a you know, wearing a sales hat, being a sales, uh, a salesperson. So what's your best sales pitch? Put the put the sales the sales pitch hat back on. Oh, your no. Best sales pitch for the book. Sell this thing. Uh, did I tell you that I was horrible at sales? I was awful. Well, you did say for a short time you did sales. Yeah, so I, guess. yeah I was I was really bad. I need my sister on here. She's a salesperson in the family. Look, this is I think that this is a story that we can all relate to in one way or another. You know, this isn't just a book for women. It's not a man bashing book. I mean, men right. deal with this too. There's there's ageism, sexism, racism that you know that that is still prevalent in this country. And I think that this sort of shines a light. Plus, it has a sports aspect of it mm-hmm. you know so if, you, if you're an athlete and and look so many people I think um have gotten into golf recreationally sure. that um that they want to know more about that they want to know a little bit more about the behind the scenes life of what it's like to be in tv so I think that it gives a little bit of something to everybody but I always say that for this book to really be successful it needs to get in the hands of women women need to read sure. this book because mm-hmm. you know I any woman who has seen part of my story or read this book, I won't say any woman, but I'll say 95% of women, sure. mm-hmm. they all say, yep, I get it. I understand. Wow. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I could talk to a lot of black people too. You know, a mm-hmm. lot of folks have said, you know what? We deal with the same thing, just not gender, it's race. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's sad mm-hmm. that we're still dealing with it. And I'll just close with this, you know, I, I, I say this to women all the time. We have to band together. We have to speak out. And and I look at you and I, you know, I think about the the memoir that Jamel Hill wrote that I told you about. The black community has always been so good. And I know nothing's perfect. Like there are still there are still things that happen. But can you imagine with with the dealings of racism and, and social change if the black community had not been as vocal and banded mm-hmm. together where where we would be in this country? Sure. And women have a lot to learn from that, I think. And it's so important. And I hope that, you know, I hope that it opens our eyes to why it, why it's important for us to stick together to try to make these things better. Because wow. unless we're, unless we're united on this, you know, the progress will be slow and it needs to pick up steam. Got to pick up steam. Lisa challenged the women. I'm going to challenge the men. Get the book, read it, speak up. Don't leave our sisters out here to fend for themselves and, you know, in, in, in foolishness that they see in the workplace and other places. So speak up. Guys, get the book. Um, and also, you know, when it's appropriate, carry that three iron or that five iron. Oh, Follow at least it's five now. But yeah, yeah. 
Follow Lisa. Pretty soon, pretty soon it'll be a five hybrid. I mean, right, right. We're, just going, we're going downhill, Claude. Lisa, I don't even, I don't, I think I have, like, in my bag, I got a, I go up to a six iron and I rarely use it. And then I'm, I'm five iron, three yeah. hybrid driver. And my friends would make fun of me because I used to, I, I used to, a couple of years ago when I first started, I used to carry a seven uh, fairway wood in the bag too. And that was my go to club. So, yeah, one way or the other. Look. Carry it you with tell me. your you tell your friends. Dustin Johnson had a what? Didn't he have a nine wood in the bag? Yeah. So yeah. Put, put whatever you want in the bag, Claude. <laughs> right. You got it. Yeah. Come on, man. We're gonna put we gotta put the ball in the hole. That's all we here to do. <laughs> That's right. Lisa, That's all that matters. First of all, you are the best. Thank you so much. Make trouble, people. And Lisa, like I can't even explain to you how great this has been for me. Um, like I said, I'm going to bug you, and I will be on Twitter tonight to see what you're grilling and oh, what's your and what you're pairing it no with. No pressure. Okay. <laughs> yes, sir. I'm on it. There you Just go. for you, Claude. Again, a special thanks to Lisa Cornwell. I'm going to be honest with you. I've been, you know, watching on Twitter. I haven't seen any of the pictures from recent grilling expeditions, uh, but that's all good. You know, uh, she'll get to it. <laughs> she'll get to it when she um, when she gets the time. But like I said, man, you know, I didn't want to approach this like other um, you know, shows will do it with it. Okay, what, give me one example. Okay, give me three examples of what you saw. Okay, when you talk about this, tell everybody in our audience about this. Like, no, no, get the book and read it, man. And and if you, and honestly, if you want to, you can go to any number of podcasts and you'll hear the same things. You'll tell those stories. And Golf DMV, we don't do it that way. You know, we get, we get a little deeper because I believe Lisa is more than just her experience at the Golf Channel. She's more than just, you know, um, those accounts that she wrote about in the book, you know, she's, she's, to me, she's a great person. Um, and, and I just loved being able to talk to her and, uh, I am going to continue to bug her to come on golf DMV. I'm going to see if for the open championship, I can, we can get her on to preview it. Yeah. Yeah. I told her I was going to bug her. And so, <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to shoot Lisa a text and Hey Lisa, uh, open championship coming up. I want to, want to come on in our, <laughs> and preview it with us and uh, see how patient you can be with the brothers on Golf DMV. All right, y'all. It's Golf DMV. We'll catch up next week.